If we can transform culture on the seven mountains, we can prepare the soil for their hearts for the gospel. By transforming culture, we mean affecting the worldview and belief systems that prevail over the hearts and minds of people. We transform culture and prepare cities to be disciplined by modeling biblical principles, letting our light shine through what we do, engaging in spiritual transformation. This message is a gentle reminder to our call to impact the seven mountains of society. Let's stand up, make our declaration this morning. So if you brought your Bible, I'd uh, like you to um, hold your Bible high up in the air. Let's uh, say this out loud, bold and strong together. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I'm blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of his blessing to many people. I receive his word, I believe his word, and I live by his word. Christ is my master, and to him I am in absolute surrender, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated, please. This morning I'm going to repeat a sermon that I preached maybe five years ago in 2010, so I know nobody will remember it. In 2010, uh, we did a series called The Seven Mountains Assignment. Some of you remember it? (laughs) Uh, We did an entire series on the Seven Mountain Assignment, so we spent maybe eight or nine weeks on that. And uh, this message that I'm preaching today is the first message of that series. So it's the same message, a copy. Just slight modifications, slight changes, but essentially it's the same message Uh, that I'm going to be preaching here. Uh, And we are doing it intentionally because uh, this is a good precursor to what we are going to start next Sunday. Next Sunday, we're going to be talking about timeless principles for the workplace starting next Sunday. Uh, And uh, we will spend about eight weeks on that, talking about timeless principles for the workplace. And so in order to prepare us for that, what's coming up, Uh, I thought it's good to review this message once again. And uh, some of you may may be very familiar with this. For some of us, it may be a little new. uh, But it's okay. Either way, it's good just to um, uh, hear this again and uh, encourage ourselves in this. In 1975, so that's about 40 years ago, uh, God, in that particular year, he spoke to three Christian leaders, men who were uh, leaders in the Christian world at that time. And he spoke the same message to all of these three leaders. One of them was uh, uh, Bill Bright, who was the founder of Campus Crusade. And Campus Crusade is, uh, is an organization, it's a ministry that's, uh, that is it's global, it's gone all over the world, it still exists today, functioning very strong. And it serves students on campus. So it's called Campus Crusade. Uh, 
The other person he spoke to was Lauren Cunningham, who was a founder of Youth with a Mission. Again, a global organization spread all over the world, going strong today. Uh, and he also spoke to a theologian named Dr. Francis Schaeffer. And he gave them all the same message. In fact, it's very interesting when they released this message. Uh, actually, it was one particular afternoon when, when Dr. Bill Bright and Lauren Cunningham were going to have lunch together. And both of them were preparing, oh, I'm going to meet the other person today for lunch. And I'm going to tell him what God's been speaking to me. They're all so excited. You know, both of them were so excited. So they met, they met for lunch and they started talking to each other and they were saying the same thing to each other. And then they realized that God was saying something to them. And not just to them, but to the other leader. And therefore, it's a message for the entire body of Christ. And they released that message that year. Essentially, the message was this, that if we are going to impact any nation for Jesus Christ, then we would have to affect the seven spheres or seven mountains or seven pillars of society. So we want to impact any nation. What must we do? We have to affect the seven mountains. Or you could use other terms, seven spheres, seven pillars. But seven major areas of society that we have to impact those areas. And he gave them these seven mountains or these seven spheres. There was the mountain of uh, family. An institution that's, as far as the word of God is concerned, it's, a, it's an institution that is set up by God. Uh, but the family is under threat all over the world. And even if you look at our nation, family is under threat. Marriages, more and more marriages falling apart. And what's scary is, there's a high percentage of marriages inside the church. That's falling apart. And there's a higher percentage of marriages of preachers. That are falling apart. Family is under attack. Children are under attack. And to make matters worse. The definition of marriage is being questioned. The fact that marriage is supposed to be between a man and a woman. Is the very basic understanding of marriage is being questioned. And what are, I, what are you and I doing about it? The mountain of family needs help. The second mountain, another mountain that we need to impact is the mountain of religion. Our belief systems, what people believe. It's a mountain, it's an area where God said, you need to go. You need to affect that mountain. The third mountain is the mountain of education. And Thank God for education. We, most of us, I think almost all of us believe in having a good education. Education is important. We invest a lot of time. We invest a lot of money. And there's great value in having a sound education, a good education. But what about the system? What about how education is being done? Many times I think, and there's just a personal opinion, it's not chapter and verse, but I think... Our education system is so outdated. We are educating people in the industrial age when we are now in a digital age. So we've got to change the way we educate people. Our, our whole methodology has to change. The system has to change. But more importantly, the content of our education. What are we 
giving to people. There's information, there's knowledge and that's important. But in addition to knowledge, knowledge itself can just make people wiser devils. Or clever devils. <laughs> so is that what we want to produce? Or does our education also emphasize the building of a person's character? A setting up of strong values. Because these are the people who are also going to affect nations in the future. They're going to be heads of organizations. They may be heads of countries. They may be heads of state. So if all they have is knowledge to make them more wise in the evil they, they want to do, it's of no use. So we had a real look at education. Education is a mountain that needs to be affected. Uh, media, whether it's print, whether it's television, whether it's the internet, all forms of mass communication, of, of mass uh, uh, information sharing, that's another mountain that needs to be affected. And you and I understand media is so powerful. Because all we do is read the newspaper and believe it. So whoever writes it, you don't know who writes it. and don't know how they communicate. What are they presenting? And so uh, media can just sway an entire population or populations of people uh, by the content that is presented. There is a mountain of arts and entertainment. Which means all forms of expression of culture, right? From sports, to dance, to music, uh, to literature, to movies, arts and entertainment. These are many, many cases that expressions of our culture. We express our culture through these. And God's saying, on that mountain, I need you to go. I need you to effect change. And there is... The mountain of business, all forms of commerce and science and technology is involved. The mountain of business, uh, all transactions, uh, uh, and, or the mountain of economy. And then there's the mountain of government, our judicial, legislative, and administrative system of government. Uh, and so, but essentially, the message that God was releasing to the body of Christ back in 1975 through these leaders was that if we are able to transform culture on these mountains... We can disciple any nation. If we are able to transform culture, we can disciple any nation. Keep that thought in mind. We'll come back to it and we will discuss that a little bit more. But the assignment or the seven mountain assignment is really God is saying, I want you to go into those mountains, transform culture. You know, traditionally, the church has always said, come out, be separate. So, the moment you become a believer, run down the mountain, into the valley, and safe into a monastery. <laughs> That's been the traditional message of the church. But God is saying, no, I need you to go into those mountains, the seven mountains of society, be there, and transform culture so that you can disciple nations. Amen? That's the assignment that God has given to us. And I want you to think about this. Think about what's happening in our nation. Again, this is something uh, I shared with you in the past. Uh, this is from um, uh, an April uh, 2014 report in The Economist. And uh, essentially that particular issue... Uh, the Economist 2014 April issue brought out several facts concerning what's happening across our nation. At that time, 
50 Indian cities had more than 1 million population urban centers 50 of them more than 1 million population and they projected that in the next 25 years there'll be a movement of about 300 million people from villages into towns into urban centers so that by 2050 or 2051 60% of India's population will be living in cities. So there will be a major shift. A movement of people. So cities will become increasingly more important. And I thank God that we need to go into our, we definitely need to go into our rural areas uh, and work with people, serve people there. But also keep in mind that there is a migration happening. There's a movement of people happening into cities. And so we need to know how to serve our cities. We need to know how to reach our cities. And cities are very complex. You've got all kinds of people, diverse backgrounds. Uh, and and, and you, know, you can't tell everybody to come to one church. I mean the Bible, for example, you will read. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. Now that's okay because in those days cities had maybe a few hundred people. Or maybe a few thousand at the most. So they could all surround a single house. So the whole city indeed is gathered at the door of your house. But not so today. You cannot gather 11 million people, 1 million people or any number of people into one church. So when we talk about affecting cities, we've got to talk about churches across the city to serve people. We need to think of new ways, new strategies on how we are going to impact cities across our nation. Are you with me so far? Yes. So that's the assignment. That's what lies ahead of us. And, and we need to think about it. What did Jesus commission us to do? In Matthew 28, and, and you know this, in Matthew 28 and verse 19, he said, go and make disciples of all. That's our commission. Go. Disciple people, teach them the things that I've taught you. Share with them these wonderful truths, these wonderful things, the message of salvation. Share with them that there is forgiveness through faith in Christ. And disciple them, teach them to observe everything I've commanded you. So go make disciples. So then the question is, how do we disciple large cities and large nations? How are we going to do it? And so we come back to this understanding the seven mountain assignment that God's people need to go into these seven spheres of society and begin to transform culture. So why are we saying transform culture and what role does it play in the sole process of discipling a city or a nation? Lauren Cunningham explained it like this. He said, before discipleship, you, you have... People need to experience salvation. They need to get saved before you can disciple them. But before, you can, before they can experience salvation, there has to be a preparation. Before you can sow the seed into the soil, you need to till the soil. You need to prepare the soil. Then you sow the seed. And so there has to be a preparation prior to them coming to experience salvation, for them to understand the message of Jesus and And then you can disciple them in the things God has taught us. So as part of this whole process of preparation, we prepare 
the soil of people's hearts by transforming culture. That is affecting the worldview, affecting the belief systems that prevail over the hearts and minds of people. So when we transform culture, we are actually preparing them for receiving the message. So what do you mean? Let's take, for example, your, a workplace situation. In a typical workplace, and I'm not saying this happens everywhere, but I'm just saying in a typical workplace, you know, everybody's out for themselves. You know, they don't care about the other person. They want to outdo the other person. They want to get the promotions. Uh, they want to see larger pays. Uh, they want to move up quickly. And so in order to do that, people are willing to cheat. They're willing to undermine other members of their team just so that they can look better. Uh, they are willing to withhold information because if they share too much information, the other person gets it's an advantage. So they, and all kinds of things goes on in the workplace. And that's the norm. That's typically the culture. And I'm not saying everywhere, but you'll find it. Most often, that's kind of the culture in the workplace. Everybody wants to get ahead. So they play dirty, do it. Now, what if you went into the, a workplace like that, but you did exactly the opposite? What if you challenged the culture by the way you operated, by the way you lived? What if you did things different? What if you encouraged your team members? And what if you were, you know, you, you worked differently? That you were not somebody who was cutting other people down in order to promote your own professional career. What if you were different and you challenged the prevailing culture in your workplace? What if you did that? What are you doing? You're doing the first step. You are transforming culture in order to prepare them to receive the message. Because when you are different and you challenge that culture, their belief system, their, their worldview, the way they look at things, and you tell them, you know, for me, I work, but money is not everything. Relationships are important. For me, uh, growing up in my career, that's important, but there's something more important than that. Maybe they are busy working on Sunday and they ask you, what do you do on Sunday? You say, go to church. You go to church? Yeah, I go to church. Why do you come in? You could be work, working. I mean, you, the boss will give you extra points or whatever, you know. But you say no. And you are challenging the culture. What are you doing? You are preparing their heart. Because now they're going to ask you at some point, what's different? Why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you doing it the way you're doing it? What's different about your approach to life? What's different about your worldview? Why is it that you aren't different? And that's when you can talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you with me so far? So, transforming culture, getting into these seven mountains and transforming culture, making things different by living out the principles that God has given to us in his words. You live it out. You will challenge the culture. You are preparing the hearts of people for the message of Jesus Christ. Amen? So that's what this assignment is about. That, that, that we can be there. So how, now, how do we transform culture? I want to talk, mention three points. I'll talk about each one of them. 
How do we transform culture? Number one is that we need to model biblical principles. We need to model these principles that we're talking about. Second, we need to let our light shine by our good works. And third, we need to engage in spiritual transformation. I'll talk about each one of these. So how do we transform culture? How do we go against the prevailing culture in each of these seven mountains? How do we do it? Number one, you got to model biblical principles. You know, in a week from now, the plan was next Sunday to have uh, this book, Timeless Principles for the Workplace, given to you. But we may be late by a week. I'm still not done. So, But anyway, you're going to get this book, Timeless Principles for the Workplace. You, you, it's not about taking that book and giving it to your boss. So boss, here are all the principles you need. <laughs> that may or may not work. But that's not the way you do it. It's not about talking about these principles. It's about living them. It's about you modeling in your work, in your workplace, everything the Bible says. Because the Bible is the culture of God. It's the culture of God's kingdom. And it's very different from the culture of our worlds. For instance, we will learn as we talk about one of the very important things when it comes to treating employees is that you do not withhold their pay. It's in the Bible. I'll give you chapter and verse for it. You don't do it. But think about all, how many organizations, big ones, supposedly having high values. You look at the, at the bottom, what's happening? People will say, you know, I left the company two months ago. I haven't got my pay. Three months ago, I haven't got my pay. And these are branded organizations of our nation. And probably happens around the world. But that's contrary to kingdom culture. That's not the way you do it. And so what if you, when you ran your organization, or when you were in a position, you made sure that your people were always paid on time. You're challenging prevailing culture. You're doing something different. Amen? That's just one of the points. We we, we look at several of these things. And, 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 and what happens when you model these principles, whether you're a boss, whether you run an organization, whether you're a professional, you're an employee, uh, there are principles that affect every sphere of our engagement on these seven mountains. And as we model these principles, we are challenging prevailing culture. We are living by the principles of God in the marketplace, in the workplace, on these seven mountains. And people are going to question. Because here is somebody who is not just going with the crowds. Here's somebody who dares to live different. And they're going to ask you why. That's when you can explain to them the truth. Jesus said this in Matthew the 13th chapter in verse 33. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. Which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leaven." So it's like yeast. It's like this little pinch of baking soda that you put when you're going to make cake or yeast that you put in your flour that you mix. You don't put a whole lot. You just put a little. But the impact is so much, it affects the whole cake that you bake or whatever you bake, bread you bake, whatever you're baking. It affects the whole thing, just a little. I said God's kingdom is like that. Just a little bit. You take kingdom culture, 
just enough. You take it to your workplace. You live by these principles. See the impact it will have. Because he said a little leaven is more than enough. It will affect the whole lump. That's how powerful kingdom culture is. A little of it is powerful enough to affect the whole thing. So we need people. We need men and women like you and I who are engaged in the... You know, we're engaged on these mountains every day. And, 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 uh, and if we take even a little bit of this, of these kingdom principles, get into these seven mountains and begin to engage, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like this. It's like the little leaven. It will have its impact. You don't worry about it. The second way we transform culture is by letting our light shine through the works we do, through what we do. So what do you mean letting our light shine and take my light bulb? It's not that. It's about letting your light shine through what you do. And let's read this whole passage in Matthew chapter 5. You're familiar with it. In verse 13, Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how will it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You know, salt is no good if it remains inside the salt shaker. You keep it inside, it's no good. It's not going to have its impact. But the moment the salt goes out into its environment, that's when it's going to have its effect. And so also for you and me, for us to be isolated, for us to be secluded and to withdraw, we're not going to have impact. But we must go into those seven mountains. Get in there. Have impact. Now, the other part is, even if you do get in there, but if you lose your saltiness, that means if you have no taste, you still have no value. Unfortunately, Many of us have lost our saltiness. We are out there, but no taste. Nobody can make out that you're salty. Nobody can tell that you've got the kingdom stuff in you. That there is supposed to be this kingdom influence emanating from your life, wherever you are. So a, a saltless Christian, a flavorless Christian, isn't really going to make impact. So... It's important to get into those mountains, but it's also important to be salty, to, to have that flavor, to release kingdom culture and influence in your environment, in the workplace. Are you with me so far? And then he continued. He said, in Matthew 5, he said, You are the light of this world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. How are you going to let your light shine? Let them see what you do. Let them see what you do. So if you're a teacher, a school teacher, through how you teach, the, the way you communicate, the way you encourage your children, uh, your students, through your good work, the way you do it. They'll bunk everybody else's class, but not your class. I need to be in his class or her class because of your good, the way you do it. Whatever you are, if you are an employer, people say, you know, I really want to work with this person because the way he treats his people, I want to work there. 
Or if you're an employee, they say, I want, I want to make sure that person never leaves our company because of the work he does. Right? So let them see your light. How? Through what you do, through your good works. And let them glorify God. Our good works then point people to God. Point people to Him. How can I transform culture? It's by letting my light shine. How? Through what I do. Let my works speak. Let my works point people to the Father in heaven who loves them. Lauren Cunningham made this statement. He said, We must use the wealth of the world to bless the world. And bless not only, and, and blessing, not only blessing the needy, but bless it to multiply it. And many times we, when you talk about blessing the world, we do think about blessing the poor and the needy. And that is good. It's important. But don't just do that. But also multiply. Show your stewardship that you take little and multiply it and make it more. Multiply it. So on the one hand, you can bless and meet the needs of people. But on the other hand, you can also provide more jobs. You're multiplying the wealth of this world. You do both. And we show and demonstrate our, our stewardship in these seven mountains. But not only blessing the needy, but multiplying what is there. Taking things up to a new level in each of these spheres of influence. And lastly, how do we transform culture number three? Of course, we have to engage in spiritual transformation. We understand that culture, uh, to a large measure, has also spiritual influences on it. It's surrounded by spiritual influences. We understand that. And so in, in, our, in our effort to transform culture, to, to, to bring, up, bring up these truths of the word of God, we also have to deal with the spiritual side. We have to engage in spiritual transformation. And we know that we have weapons. In 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5, the Bible says, the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty in God. We pull down strongholds. We, uh, we deal with arguments and things that affect the understanding of God. Uh, and so, in, in, in transforming culture, we deal with the wrong mindsets. We deal with wrong ideas that have gripped the minds of people through spiritual engagement, through prayer, through exercising our authority uh, and, 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 and dealing with things in the realm of the spirit. And that's also part of engaging the culture. Three ways. You model kingdom principles. You let your light shine through your good works. And thirdly, you engage in spiritual transformation. Are you with me so far? So, in order to really do that, we begin next week to start talking about these principles. Timeless principles for the workplace. Because we need to know it, we need to embrace it, and only then we will be able to live it. So we're going to start talking about it. What does the Bible say? And just to give a little preview, and we'll pick this up next Sunday. We're going to, we've, this whole series is divided into four parts. We begin with the very basic on preparation for the workplace. So many of you are college students or just starting out your career. So we talk about some basic things like a vision and purpose and uh, a, having a career plan and having right workplace attitudes. 
So before you get into the workplace, that's part of your preparation. You know, uh, sometimes I jokingly say this, you know, many times uh, the way we do things, you know, we finish our education, get our degree, and then we say, okay, what am I supposed to do now? <laughs> like, we go, go all that way, and then we say, okay, what am I supposed to do? But actually, that's not the way you're supposed to approach preparation for your professional career. You first figure out what you're going to do. So by the time you're in 8th grade, you're most likely able to understand what you've been designed for and what are your core competencies. You're able to understand that. And then now you choose a professional educational course that is geared towards making you good in what you're able to do. So we talk about some of these things, and we talk about it from a biblical perspective. The second section of this series was then divided on on, on being in the workplace. So when you're in the workplace, and especially when you, uh, we, we talk about it from the perspective of uh, whether you're leading an organization, you're part of an organization, we talk about all these aspects. So uh, it may not, not everything will apply to everybody, but it's good to know. It's good to know these principles. So when you talk about corporate vision, mission, values, and culture, uh, we talk about our workplace relationships. We talk about how do you treat your employees, the human resource angle. We talk about corporate finance. We talk about uh, 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 innovation and creativity. We talk about uh, uh, competitive advantage, competitive strategy. We talk about organizational structure and design. Just different aspects of, of the workplace, but from a biblical perspective. What are principles from the Bible that we can apply to all of these things? So we talk about that entire range of things. The third part of this uh, of the series will be uh, we will talk about how the workplace impacts your personal life. So we'll talk about things like work-life balance. It's something many of us struggle, especially those of us who are uh, pretty involved in the workplace. It can really drain us and then have its impact on our families, on our children. And, and many, many people, uh, even some of the big names in this world, you, they may be highly successful as CEOs of top companies. But apart from that, you look at their personal life. They may have gone through three or four marriages already. Their children are, you know, all the... And then you wonder, is it worth it all? So what if you're the CEO of a huge organization, but... All these things have happened in your family life. There's been no balance in your life. It's, not, it's a lopsided life. So, so we need to address that issue because it's impacting more and more families. Uh, work-life balance. Uh, we talk about uh, saving and investing and preparing for retirement. And then the last section of this, uh, of this series, we'll talk about kingdom entrepreneurship. Uh, very important because today more and more, uh, more and more young people are choosing to be self-employed. And that's great because you can control your own destiny. You be your own boss. You, know? you don't have to report for anybody else. Kingdom entrepreneurship is so, is so nice. It's so good. But then how do we do it from a kingdom perspective? And, you know, to be an entrepreneur, you don't need a big building. You can work from your home. And you can have employees all over the world working for you. You're all connected already through the internet. So it's great to be an entrepreneur, but how do you do it from a kingdom of God perspective? And so we talk about some principles on that kingdom entrepreneurship. And uh, finally, we talk about marketplace transformation. How do we take all these principles to impact the marketplace? Amen? So are you ready? So that's what we're going to do the next eight weeks. As, and and, and the, the whole purpose is to equip you and I, for, uh, equip us to go out there into these seven mountains. And transform culture. So that, that hearts and lives, people may come to know Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, uh, just a closing thought here. God, have, God needs people or God is looking for people on all of these seven mountains. 
Traditionally, the church has shied away from the mountain of arts and entertainment. Oh, don't go there. It's, it's a messy world. Stay away from that. Movies and this and that. God needs people there. Or stay away from the mountain of government. I mean, it's so corrupt. Do you know? God needs people there. The darker it is, the more important for somebody to carry a light into that darkness. God needs you there. So don't be afraid of whatever mountain God is calling you to. I want to encourage you. The darker it is, you need to go. You need to get into that place. And it doesn't matter at which level you are. Because God needs people at all levels. He needs people who will work at the grassroots. He needs people who will work in the middle of the mountain. And he also needs people who work at the top of the mountain. So, wherever God takes you and wherever you go is fine. Sometimes all of us get the wrong idea that we must all go to the top. Yes, if you get to the top, you'll have greater influence, greater impact. Uh, All of that is there. But sometimes somebody needs to be at the grassroots. Just to be able to relate to the people down on the ground, knowing what's going on in their lives and make a difference. So God needs people at all levels on these mountains. So wherever you are, the important thing is to transform culture, impact culture, so that we can see souls being brought in to God's kingdom. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. I just call our worship team up, please. We're going to take a few moments to worship God. And as we worship God, I want you to pray. This is a moment of destiny. This is a moment where God is about to set you on course for your destiny for the kingdom of God. It's not a light moment. It's a moment where you say, God, I'm standing here. My life is ahead of me. Show me where you want me to go. What's the mountain you want me to position myself in? Show me how I can be a light in this darkness, God. Show me how I can be salt in a world that's desperately needing influence and needing somebody who will be a candle bearer, somebody who will come and make a difference, somebody who will challenge the status quo, somebody who will say there's a better way to live. God, show me where you want me to go. How you want me to make a difference. At this moment, would you pray? I know there are people here who are college students. There are young people here. You're in your 20s. You're just starting your career. There are many of us who are you know, way past that. We've, we've been in the workplace for a while. Regardless of where we are in life. I believe this is a moment of destiny. Would you pray? And I believe God will speak to you. By his spirit, he'll begin to steer your vessel. He'll begin to steer your ship and say, look, this is where I want you to go. This is how I want you to be positioned. This is what I want you to do for my kingdom. I believe each one of us are important. Each one of us are valuable for the kingdom of God. If we will tune in and listen to God, he will use us for his kingdom. So as we take this few moments to worship God, would you pray? Would you listen? Uh, Would you ask the Lord to speak to you this morning? Thank you.
Father, we just pray that by your Holy Spirit, God, you would speak to every heart, every life. Just begin to release your visions, your dreams for your people, God. Just begin to speak to everyone on what we can do, what you want us to do. We are kingdom. And how we could be channels, God, to release your kingdom. Speak, God, by your spirit. Birth ideas, birth visions and dreams. Empower us by your Holy Spirit, God, to go and make a difference on these mountains. Let the favor of God be on our lives. Let the hand of God begin to lift us up. You go before us, Lord. You begin to open up the doors. You begin to make crooked places straight for us. That God, we can go and make a difference. Jesus, you told us to occupy till you come. To do business till you come. To engage the world till you come. And I pray for an equipping. I pray for an anointing to be released upon your people. To engage on these seven mountains to occupy to do business till you come 
just thank you, Father, for what you are birthing, for what you are releasing, God. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're doing. Even as you're standing here this morning, if you feel a stirring, if you feel visions, ideas, dreams coming to you, feel the stirring in your heart, I want you to embrace it. I want you to say, yes, God, if this is what you're calling me to do, I'm going to go out there and do it. I'm going to prepare myself. I'm going to get myself ready uh, to do these things for your kingdom. That your kingdom can come. And I believe that as you step out, God is with you. He will empower you. He will make the way for you. His hand will lift you up. So don't be afraid. Go for it. Before we close this morning, if there's any person here that uh, maybe you've come first time or you've been here to church several times, but you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart, to come into your life, you've, you've never made a decision in your life to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and let Him forgive your sins and and guide your life. If you've never done that before, I want to lead you in a simple prayer so that you can do that this morning if you'd like to. And uh, after we pray, we'd also like to just, uh, we'd like to give you something that can help you in your journey with God. So let's just pray together. Does anyone here, you never ask the Lord Jesus to come into your life and forgive your sins and, and guide you for the rest of your life. And you never asked Him to, to save you to make you a child of God. And I want you to just pray this prayer with me this morning, if you'd like to. Just say this with me. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sins. Make me a child of God. And help me to follow you the rest of my life. ask this in Jesus name Amen Is anyone here you prayed this prayer with me and this is your very first time that you did it would you like to lift your hand up anybody here you prayed this prayer with me for the very first time just lift your hand up anybody one anybody else God bless you anybody else I can't say anybody prayed this two three God bless you guys anybody else up on the balcony anybody else Okay, so we had at least three people here. Uh, we'd like to give you this bag that has some books in it so that you could read and get started in your journey of faith. Is anybody else? Please make sure you pick this bag up on your way out. Uh, it has information on what you can do as you begin this journey of faith with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's close. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ the love of God our Father and the sweet fellowship, the sweet presence of His Holy Spirit be with each one of us always. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Go be salty and go be shining. God bless you. See you all again. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. 
you can email us at contact@apcwo.org also visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources thank you for listening and god bless you